welcome to Conversations About Life. Thanks, Chris, for being a guest on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. It's a huge pleasure to be here. All right. I'll try to introduce you. From what I understand, you're from, well, your parents are from Cuba, and you're up here in at WashU um, pursuing a, a degree in computer science, and I met you at family camp. And my... Um, <laughs> My kind of way of interacting with people a lot of time is to ask them questions. And, um, and when I first interacted with you, it's like, you were outdoing me. <laughs> You're a question asker. And uh, so anyway, that's neat. It was kind of different. Um, but I enjoyed the interaction with you and then asked you if you would be a guest. So here we are. Um, here's a question that I heard um, it, I forgot it was in an article online or something like that. And it's like, what, what's the most important thing we need to know about you, Chris? That's a very, um, broad question, but <laughs> it is, but I, I also like broad questions a lot. Um, I fear it's a little it's a little too broad, but I'm, I'm going to sort of go with, um, well, I, I think the most important thing to know about me is that um, I'm a Christian. I love Christ. Um, uh, if you're going to go past that, which it's very hard to go past that without that affecting everything else, I'd probably say that I, I really enjoy people. Part of the reason why, like you were saying, like I, 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 I do go out and ask a lot of questions is because I really like to get to know people. Um, I'm, I'm also very naturally curious. Uh, so I don't only ask questions about people, but also about things that people are doing. I, I like a, sec- a second ago, um, uh, I saw a new con- contraption, uh, right before, fil- uh, right, right, right before this filming, a new con- contraption of like a milk frother, milk frother. I've never seen that before. <laughs> and it just fascinated me. It just, sorry, I had no idea what that was. So I, I don't know. I'm just very, I thought that was super cool, but, but yeah, so I, I really enjoy getting to know pe- people. Um, I think it's very easy to go um, to get to know people surface level. And I think that's it's 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 like a natural. Uh, well, well, uh, there's there's two ways my mind is going right now. So it's 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 very easy to go surface level when talking to someone, um, which isn't necessarily bad, especially when getting to know someone. I I enjoy getting to know pe- people, and I often fear that um, as I get to know people and as I like, maintain a relationship with someone, it sort of stays surface level. So. Um, at times, I, I hope or I try to be more intentional about asking questions that'll lead to more important topics, right? Than just like, oh, like how you, how, how was your weekend? But I don't know. Man- maintaining your relationships is very difficult, um, and just like keeping tabs on someone is very difficult. So um, I, I think this this desire of asking questions sort of started um, back in the beginning of high school. I was very uh, shy. I didn't really talk to people very much, and but I've always really enjoyed um, getting to know pe- people. So sort of, um, I, I think it just became the natural default of like, oh well, um, 
like people don't really like generally speaking people like to talk about themselves right i've heard this billions of times people like talk about themselves so just ask them questions and then they'll they'll talk about themselves and that's sort of been what i've pursued um and i think to my own detriment at times because um there's a there's been an ongoing joke the last year i've been in st louis that chris doesn't like to talk about himself so i also think that there's a different pitfall of not talking about not I, I, I don't really talk about myself very often so that's definitely something that I've tried to correct right and I, I think this this podcast too is a good opportunity for me to talk more about myself so I appreciate the opportunity so concerning talking about yourself is that satisfying do you enjoy it I'm I'm a very like socially um perceptive I don't know socially perceptive person so i enjoy it to the ex- when um when it seems like the other person is also enjoying it but if it comes to the point where i'm talking about myself and then the other person sort of seems uninterested or bored then um it ceases to, to become interesting I'm not, I'm not i'm not sure if you've had similar um, experiences but that's sort of how i sort of <clears throat> right view it you know, you mentioned maintaining relationships. Do you do you have a any kind of structure, or is there anything that helps you with that? Because I know, for someone who enjoys people, enjoys meeting people, it can be you know go really broad. But then there's the danger of neglecting going deep with a small number of people and nurturing that and maintaining it and stuff. Is there anything that's been helpful for you or anything you try to keep in mind? I'm, I'm very bad at maintaining relationships. Unfortunately, this, it is something that I've been wanting to, to work on. Um, I, I think I've been doing a pretty good job with my, my parents. I call them often. I text them often and other family. Um, however, I usually find that it's much easier to maintain relationships with people who I'm directly interacting with or who I see on a regular basis. So it's much easier right. to maintain relationships with people at my church, for example, because I'm there very often. However, like looking back, I have various different groups that I've, um, like in middle school, I had this group that I was with all the time. Then I moved to a high school where they were not at. And I mean, I mean, that was sort of the transition when I became a Christian too. So that also played a big part in it of why I, why sort of like, I, <clears throat> why like our views and everything sort of, or just me needing a, a new place and to become a Christian. I, I think that also required that I was um, sort of meeting new people and not uh, as much in that old group. However, that, like then from high school, I jumped to now college and still I can sort of see that um, I haven't kept those relationships very well uh, apart from very like small things so i think it's very difficult especially because i when going to like a new when when like changing uh as a person so like in, in those different time periods that i just mentioned i've i touched on, on them very briefly but i think there were a lot of changes between those parts too so i think i i've changed as a person a lot um so then also when changing as a person, it's also difficult to maintain the relationships because then I come back and then like, I'm not quite the same person 
um, in, oh, I mean, in, in, in a way, I'm, I'm the exact same person I was in a, in a very different way or in like a slightly um, nuanced way. I'm, I'm, I'm also very different in how I view uh, my thoughts, my beliefs, my, the world around me. So I think that also plays a, plays an aspect in, um, in sort of how I can talk to and like engage those relationships that I had before. You know, you're mentioning, um, it's easy to maintain relationships when you see people often. I've been thinking about the idea of community, like someone mentioned this, I think I've been listening to John Mark Comer's podcast, Practicing the Way. Have you heard of it or heard of him or anything? He wrote a little book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry or something. I forget. Oh, I think I've heard of the book. Okay. okay. He talks about shared sharing space and time or something along those lines. But the idea of creating community, like if you live in a community, it's just there for you. You're just in it and you see the same people. You walk to the store, you... Your neighbors are out. You may go to, to church with them, school and stuff, and you just live in a community. But like where we live, it's kind of like suburbia. It's not meant for pedestrians. It's meant for getting into your car and driving places. And it's not really a community. It's just a, a subdivision. But the idea of creating community, for example, having a night of the week where people are it's just a standing open invitation. People just come over, you have dinner together, maybe people bring something. Um, and it's not like you're planning this anew each time. It's just, well, it's Thursday. It's just what we do on Thursday. And doing things like that um, to create community, it's interesting to me. Um, Another thing would be like having a dance community, which, you know, you led a dance here a few days ago. There's um, a community like that called the Chout Grove Country Dancers, and they meet mm. in, um, see, it's Maplewood, I think, at this old place called the Monday Club. It's wooden floors, a neat place, and they're mainly there on Sundays, though. But they have contra dancing live band. The bands cycle through. You know, sometimes it's a traveling band or whatever, and uh, it's pretty neat um, doing like country dancing like that with people who do it every week. Um, because um, you know, you just kind of fall into it. And if you're an inexperienced dancer, like I'm l lesser experienced, but you got experienced dancers around. It really helps out, yeah. <laughs> you know. You just yeah. kind of—it's almost into it, you know, intuitive somewhat. But anyway, those are just a couple thoughts about community. But that's interesting to me—just the idea of nurturing and growing. It's just such an important part of life, I think. One aspect, one thing I'm involved in right now—that's kind of like that—is I've been meeting with a group of men on Monday evenings, and at six thirty. It's right here in Barnhart, next to the post office. We have a little chili or soup or whatever. And then at 7, we're, we take a chapter of the Bible and we break it up so that we, we read through it, you know, a couple verses each or whatever and read through it. And then there are six discussion questions that we go through. Um, something like, what stands out to you? What do you like? What troubles you? What does it tell us about God? What does it tell us about us? What's the Holy Spirit saying to us? So... And it's 
the same group of men, and we, um, I mean, people are welcome to come in. It's not like exclusive, but they're a really good group of men, and I'm just really getting to know them, and it's each week, and it's just, it's not a, a lesson. It's just discussion and hammering things out, and people come from different churches, so they got slightly different perspectives and so forth, but it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that sounds cool. And so would you would you call that a community then? Like the the, the Bible group then? Yeah, in the way I'm thinking of it. In the way that it's you're... a community type of thing. Yeah. I guess, you know, I might be kind of loose with my Yeah, so so how would you define like community then? Um I think it's a group of people that you share life with. That's a pretty broad, basic definition. And if it's a real neighborhood community, then you're, of course, sharing life with them. Otherwise, you're kind of creating it. And it might be, well, I got this community on this particular night of the week, and it's a different group of people at a different time of the week. Might have my work mates. You know, that's kind of like a... Mm -hmm. A type of work community, um, but it needs to be more. I don't know. It needs to be more than just, for example, a church community. It mm -hmm. needs to be more than just sitting in a service. A lot of what happens at church. Yeah, you, I agree. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> you can kind of get from like face the audio. I mean, uh, the internet. You know, like you can listen to a really good sermon. And you can listen to some music. I mean, there needs to be like face-to-face -face interaction and getting to know each mm -hmm. other and stuff like that. But anyway. Yeah, I fully agree. And so, so on, on, on that note, would you say that one can be part of a bad community? Um, sure. Um, I think so. Don't you think so? Like... You could be a part of a community where people are um, selfish, um, trying to um, take from others rather than contributing to others. Mm -hmm. It could be a place that you would get out, of, want to get out of. But normally, when I think of community, I think of people who are getting something from the others in a healthy way. Like interesting. Okay. You know, mm -hmm. they're wanting. Normally, when people are kind of more self-centered, they might tend to isolate themselves too or group among people who are mm -hmm. like them, perhaps. I'm not sure. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I think your definition of community was really good. Um, and I've, I've also seen, like, I think it's good that it, you gave it a very broad definition because I've seen very different types of community. Um, so, for example, there's the church community, which, uh, which generally speaking, like it can, can be as it can be broad and can be smaller. So, like, a, like smaller one would be like a local church. Mm -hmm. A broader one could be like um, the group, the community of like country dancers or country dancers that that would dance among like a few similar churches that I've, I've sort of um, got to engage with recently. Um, mm -hmm. And then there's also like different groups too that, so for example, so before I became a Christian, um, I, I was big into uh, like video games, right? And so there would be like these huge communities online 
uh, that would get together um, and like play video games, and there would be like the same groups of friends who would who would play. There was um, uh, like a big like Minecraft com- community where it would be like hundreds and hundreds of people, and then they would each have like their own friend groups, uh, and there would be like games hosted among the whole com- the whole community. And then there's different types of communities too. So I've seen like in schools, I think schools are a little bit. Um, schools are like their own community in a way, or like 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 non homeschool. I guess homeschooling com- communities are things too. Uh, um, but then like homeschooling communities, also like public school communities, where like inside of a school. So yeah, I think I think also it's interesting to observe like the different types of communities and their different attributes, and then how and then how that all plays together. And then also like with families too. Like um, think one could. In some cases, like find a fa- like a, a certain like f- group, family group as a community. So then it's also like it's harder to leave some communities. And I, I don't know. I'm just making like, cool observations about community and um, how it can look different in different places. Tell me about becoming a Christian. Did you grow up in a Christian home? So um, my parents. Uh, I'm gonna answer that question in order to give like the the full. Thing, I'm going to go a little bit farther back. Yeah. So my parents are from uh, Cuba. They came in their uh, early 20s. Um, so C- Cuba was a dictatorship, um, totalitarian, um, communist. So they got rid of a lot of... They got... Basically, when Fidel Castro took over, he uh, they sort of extracted all the religion from Cuba. So like it was a big Catholic... Uh, nation now, uh, churches closed down, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Religion was taken out, uh, so and it was forced. Um, like the church is forced to close. Kind I, of, I believe so. Okay, yeah. So um, my my like generally speaking, I think there's still a little bit of a Catholic influence, but it's not it's not quite it's not very strong, and you get to like uh, I, I can. I have some other interesting things in my family uh, in terms of religion, but basically they came into the U.S. They weren't we we, we weren't very religious. No one went to church. Um, I actually I think I grew up with like the for some reason I think I remember asking my dad once like who was Jesus and he like told me like it was some some eighteen year old guy who said he was God or something like that. I I, I don't even like I, I I had no idea. I was not exposed to hmm. wow. um, Christianity at all until. Uh, my mom had been hopping around different religions, so she um, she went to like Zen Buddhism. She went to um, uh, so this is the thing that I brought up. It's like some some cult that's very popular in Cuba. I can discuss it uh, later if it comes up. But then she ended up like I think in one of her like meditation classes for like New Age or something like that. She was giving me the story recently that she she says that she had a vision. And she saw Jesus in the vision. Um, I'm gonna take. I'm, I'm gonna give her the benefit of the doubt on that story, even though I, I think the natural, um, the natural response in a very <clears throat> modernistic age is to like reject uh, visions. But I'll, I'll give her the benefit of the doubt. So she said that she saw Jesus. After that, she um, she uh, became safe. She started going to a church and. She was the one who initially exposed me and my brother. I have one brother uh, to Christianity, so we had been exposed to it, um, and it's sort of just like I don't even 
like it, it, it wasn't like the logical nature of it that really saved me. It, it just sort of like I feel like I was just like so, sort of saved, right? Like just made sense, and then I became a Christian. So your mom must have really been searching. Then it sounded like she was searching for something spiritually. Or did do you did she talk about it? Like what she was looking for when she was kind of bouncing around and so forth. Did you guys know what was going on, or was she just kept that to herself and started visiting places? Yeah, it was mostly to herself. I'm, I'm not okay. quite sure. I think she was just looking for something more. Yeah. Um, because, like I said, like Cuba didn't really. Like mm-hmm. stuff, stuff, stuff in Cuba is messed up and still pretty uh, messed up in terms of religion. Mm-hmm. So I think she's always been seeking something. She found it, um, yeah. And then, and she found that in the Christian church, what she was looking for. Like, is she still active and is a Christian? Yeah. Um, she, in terms of her specific beliefs, I would say that she would lean towards more on the Pentecostal side. Okay. And so <clears throat> she. Um, later on when I became a Christian, she was going to like a mega, like 10,000 people per weekend, uh, mega church. I would not say it was the healthiest, like it was very like, um, prosperity gospel, but, um, right now, and actually I think my, my, my dad recently got saved too. They, they, they all go to the church that I initially, oh, I'm going to back up a a second. So after becoming a Christian, uh, I was probably like. Um, it was 2017. I was roughly 14, 15 at, at the time. So for the first year, I didn't really go to church. Most of my Christian experience was uh, looking at YouTube videos, um, listening to music. And then I had just started going to a Lutheran Lutheran church. So that was all my Christianity. Um, and then after about a year, I was encouraged by one of my professors to start going to church. So one Sunday, I went to my phone went on Google Maps, put down, like, church, and I walked over to the nearby uh, church, which I, I think was was fairly healthy. So I'm really grateful for that. And sort of that's where I, I grew up, e- even though I wouldn't necessarily agree with everything that they would teach now. Uh, after becoming uh, Reformed, still I think it was, like, a healthy church. I love the people there. And my mom my, my mom and my brother started going there after I after me. Um, my, okay. And then now they, they're still going there. So okay, so um, and for you, you said it wasn't like a getting involved in Christianity. It just kind of made sense, but it wasn't like a rational thing that you like worked your way through all the evidence or anything like that. It just seemed to appeal to you. Is that kind of what you meant by that? Or yeah, yeah. Like I, I hadn't thought about the evidence mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, just, I just became a Christian. Sort of. I heard. The, the the gospel and Lord save me and um, I it was actually like a few years later it was my senior year of high school where I worked through all the evidence mm-hmm. and actually now I I'd, I'd probably say I think from my experience I think that's the case with a lot of Christians that a lot of the evidence that is in place doesn't very seldom does it save people like very seldom like I I've, I've read a bunch of books on on like uh, on various sides of the uh, of the spectrum of like religion so I've read like a book from I'm not sure if, if you've heard of uh, Richard Dawkins uh, it was like a, mm-hmm. I forgot what the book was called The the, the God Delusion right yeah. okay um, I've, I read one by a he was uh, an atheist 
and then he looked at all the evidence and eventually he became uh, I believe a deist okay so this was back in my 12th grade year and I I, I definitely struggled a lot with like the evidence uh, my senior year of high school and I sort of wrestled with that for a while but but that to say that I, I think the experience for a lot of Christians is sort of like what saves them isn't really the evidence per se it's the gospel and the spirit working in their hearts and saving them so the men's group I was telling you about, we were just covering um, Romans chapter 10 this last Monday. And in there, it talks about the gospel being the power of God. No, no, um, that's Romans chapter 1, the mm-hmm. gospel power of God and yeah. salvation. But chapter 10 speaks about the gospel going forth, how beautiful is the feet, brings the good news. Mm-hmm. And and that the gospel, hearing the gospel about Jesus produces faith, you know, that's in Romans chapter 10. But in my own experience, I don't remember thinking about the gospel. <clears throat> I just remember thinking what a disgusting person I was morally, you know, and then asking God to save me from what I had become. And then knowing I was forgiven, like having all that guilt removed from me. And and then the Bible, it was like the Bible just opened up to me, you know, I just mm. wanted, and then, you know, I, I'm sure I heard the gospel before, but um, it was then that I started learning about the things of, of God, of Jesus, mm. the gospel, and so forth. So, and what made me think of that is what you're saying, you know, like hearing the gospel, you know, that just doesn't seem like it now, hearing the gospel is really meaningful to me mm, mm-hmm. and meditating on it and so forth. But was it like that for you? Like hearing the gospel, that's kind of what generated faith or what God used to bring you in? Yeah, if, if I were to think about it, I, I would probably say it was just like the entirety of the message. Okay. Just me hearing it and then, it, and then the spirit working through it and changing me. But yeah, I didn't mean to like. Um, yeah, I I I I think so. Yeah, I didn't mean mean to sort of like say that all um, conversions are like this. But I still think that mm-hmm. sort of the point of what I was saying, and I'm sure you weren't going against it. But point of what I was saying is, I, I from my experience, like the the specific evidence isn't really often what sort of convert someone so right and like i think that matters a lot in terms of like sharing the also my apologies i sort of just took what you asked and sort of taking it somewhere else but oh, so go ahead no i'm fine <laughs> but yeah i've had a lot of experience and I, i've I'm, i've been guilty of, of this too sort of debating with like uh, an atheist or someone who doesn't believe and being like well just look at the evidence like the evidence is so clear and um and then but then like the bible teaches that it's not that it's the gospel that sort of saves and so, like for example, a few weeks ago, I had a, I went to lunch spontaneously with a, with a friend. I wasn't even planning on having lunch. We went to a place, a random place on campus. We got lunch, and then we found ourselves like on couches, sitting next to a, an atheist, and we were just talking about the gospel, and and they were sort of discussing, um, they were sort of discussing like, the different evidences and like. Uh, the like young earth creationism and sort of how it makes sense like scientifically and from my experience I'm not the biggest fan of um, of sort of arguing for Christianity in that way 
uh, to someone who wasn't a believer because I don't think that that's necessarily really what saves, number one. And then number two, I believe that... Um, let me see, what, I'm, what am I trying to say here? Uh, I, I think the, uh, the evidence is more for believers ourselves that we sort of get strengthened by the evidence and then also, like, I believe it's First Peter that tells us to be... Uh, to be ready to share, uh, to give a testimony of the truth when we do good, et cetera, et cetera. But at the same time, I also think that science is a very difficult thing to argue with uh, in terms of the Bible. One, because the Bible isn't like a scientific book. It's, you, you have to read it in context. That's number one. Uh, number two, because science also has changed a lot, historically speaking. So I was reading or I was listening and I, like, I really enjoy history. And one of the things that um, I've been aware is like scientific theory changes very often in history. So, for example, uh, about a hundred years ago, well, maybe it was a bit farther back, but people believed that um, that like I believe is a more Aristotelian world uh, view. Although I don't want to like get into too much specifics because uh, I don't want someone to correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, so please take. Uh, please do your own research if you're listening to this. But I believe that people, most pe people sort of assume that the universe has always existed, right? Until very recently, until like the Big Bang re re research came in and all of that. And so that to say that um, until then people were arguing that, oh, well, there can't be a God and Christianity's wrong because the universe has always existed. Bible shares that there is like a specific uh, beginning those two are not compatible, boom, Christianity is denied. And then later on we learn that, oh no, like the universe had a beginning. That to say, because science has changed so much, different people have like uh, different strongholds on science, the viewpoints sort of change. So I personally don't, don't, wouldn't prefer to use necessarily science as a, as anything else other than just self, um, just self like strengthening in the faith. I wouldn't use that as, Evangelism, especially because I think the Bible is pretty clear that uh, what saves is the gospel and the message of the gospel. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of along the same lines as you. And are you familiar with Alvin? I always have said Plantinga, but yeah. now I recently hear other people say Plantiga or something <laughs> different. So I thought, man, I've been saying this wrong. But um, he's along the same lines. Mm -hmm. He's, a, you know, and I can see that. Um, Faith seems like some kind of living, solid thing, whereas um, apologetics, you know, people can be troubled, Christians can be troubled when they hear object, objections and so forth, and apologetics can be really helpful just so that they can uh, learn that it's a reasonable faith they have. It's not, you know, fallacious and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, but... But, but I've been just recently conversing with a couple of atheists online, um, you know, re just recent as this morning, and I, I, so basically, I just want to give them an answer, like if, because basically, they are coming at me with these charges and accusations and stuff, mm -hmm. <laughs> so I just want to give them a reply, and sometimes there's even that there's not. Uh, you know, sometimes that doesn't make sense, too. It depends on what their attitude is like, I guess. Mm. But sometimes it seems like, yeah, I should give them an answer and so forth. So anyway, but that's a little bit different than a, a evangelism. Um, so when it comes to evangelism, 
Well, first of all, um, what gives you confidence? Um, you know, you work through evidence and so forth, but um, what really, um, what gives you confidence in like your Christian worldview? Um, so what sort of did it for me in terms of like looking at all the evidence, what did it for me was sort of the historical reliability of the gospel of Christ dying and raising up from the dead. I heard this funny quote, like, um, if someone rose from the dead, you better believe what he said, right? Which I think means, uh, which means a lot. Apart from that, um, I mean, just like from a certain sense, like it makes sense, I guess, like, yeah, like there's the truth exists. Um, uh, like the worldview sort of is consistent with how I interpret reality. I think it's also a full of like a full sense too, where um, we're like, and I'd probably say like, this is like, I'm not sure if this is like a reformed answer, but like I have been saved and because I've been saved, I can understand. And I don't know, like, I'm just like, I just have faith because the Lord gave me faith and now I see so there's also like an aspect of like yeah like objectively speaking like it's it makes sense truth 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 is a thing as opposed to like postmodernism or any, or anything else and it's consistent with the Bible so in that sense it makes sense at the same time I also have to hold it uh, with the fact that well I understand because the Spirit allows me to understand the gospel and my reality fully I've had very like funny conversation well, I don't want to say funny like sad but also pretty funny conversations with people like uh, I had an internship this past summer I was leading a team uh, for app development or for a web app development and I was talking to one of my coworkers, and we were like debating on like truth right and it's and I was like yeah like uh, like there's objective truth and it's ridiculous I mean yeah I was a little mean in that conversation but he was he was good with it like of course there's truth like like anything else is ridiculous like uh, if you get pulled over by the by the police, where are you going? You're going to jail, right? Like, there's a there's an objective, tangible reality that you can't just say like, well, that's that's your perspective. So that that would be the the common response from them. Well, that's that's the way that you're perceiving it. Or that's your perspective. So um, there's that's why I'm, I'm saying truth a lot because I'm 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 very constantly exposed to like a postmodern worldview where people are like, oh no, there's there's no truth. Like, doesn't well, I think what people mean by that is not that there's not objective truth, but rather that it's beyond all of us to really interesting uh, to know it. And we just have our own perspective. So in that sense, they're saying we don't have our own truths, mm -hmm. but I, you know, I don't know if they're necessarily saying, or at least a, a lot of them are, are you know, Hopefully, I mean, it doesn't make sense saying there's no such thing as objective truth. But, and I think we can agree to the sense that we don't all know it fully except for God, mm -hmm. but yeah. that doesn't mean we can't say true things. That's mm -hmm. true for you and you and you and everybody, you know. But anyway, yeah. sorry for interrupting. No, but, no, that's totally good. I appreciate you bringing that up. That's a good perspective to hear. Yeah. Um, you know, I was going to ask about sin and so forth. Like, when I'm talking with some people, they're so happy, you know, um, like a non-believer, they're ambitious about the way their life is going. They got like career plans in front of them or maybe personal development plans or something. And it almost seems like the gospel just isn't going to make sense to them um, 
until um, until they realize their need for it in some way. Mm-hmm. So I guess what I want to ask you about, like, did consciousness of sin play a part in your own conversion? And, like, does that play a part in, like, if, talking to other people, non-believers? Do you try to help them to understand their sin, or do you just wait, or... Um, do you have any thoughts about any of that? Yeah. Yeah, I think understanding of sin is crucial in understanding the gospel because um, how can one fully understand and appreciate uh, the death of Christ, the death of God, uh, without understanding, like, why he had to do it and just, like, how big the costs or how big the sort of the price of debt that we, we owe. So uh, it definitely is crucial. Objectively speaking, I, th- I think the Bible is very clear about that. In terms of my personal experience, um, I think different people sort of react differently to sin. So, like you were sharing, like in, in your, I, th- I think you were saying in your faith experience, like sin was the big thing that sort of, right. sort of did it. Um, for me, that wasn't that wasn't really the case. I think it was just like a combination of like everything and just hearing the news and uh, and then I, I've seen different people re- react differently to the gospel and different parts of the gospel. So, uh, but it's, uh, the Bible shares that it's crucial. However, I'd probably take an approach of that, like different people are different. And it is really interesting to sort of see um, different people who are very like happy, like unbelievers who are very happy with like their plans and just don't understand like their true, their true, um, their their true future their their true fate and like even though like they're happy like all everything that they're going to do is going to fade away so i sort of think of I believe it's psalm 73 where the psalmist is uh like jealous and, and envious of like all the things that the wicked have and why why are they so healthy and strong and for me like i, I follow god but you know but like i don't see any of like the the temporal earthly blessings of god and then uh, the psalmist goes to the temple, um, and then they uh, they really understand, or they really begin to understand really what's what's going on, like what's going to happen to them, and like and then they sort of like like I, I think it's just very it's a similar case. So I think what you were saying, knowing understanding sin is important, um, and just I think from our perspective, just having a correct un- understanding of when we see like unbelievers and just being very happy about their like life plans and. Uh, the, the Lord has like common grace. The Lord has blessed and given reign to both the believer and the unbeliever. Just having a correct perspective, I think, is important too. Yeah. All right. Well, how did your parents come to the U.S. from Cuba? Oh, that's a that's an interesting story. So I, I've actually heard of various various people who like from from who have come from Cuba like in boats. So yeah. like or like they'll make a raft and they'll just like hope for the best. <laughs> yeah, I know that's a lot of people have like perished because of that, and a lot of people have made it too. Yeah, uh, thanks to that. Um, my parents, so my my parents weren't yet married. They got married like or they they came together, uh, like they met each other like right after coming to the U.S. My dad was planning originally on coming at, like buying like a nice boat and coming over like just like that and then like sort of like trying to find a way. Can you do that in Cuba? Buy a boat and just take off? Yeah, there's a bunch of boats. Okay. Um, and theor- theoretically, like you, you can't just get a boat and leave. Um, that isn't a good idea. Like it's a lot of risks. But 
the like what kind of risk are there with doing that well apart apart from like perishing uh on the way there's also like you come to the u.s and what's gonna happen like are they gonna take you in Uh, i think at the time there was like a mandate so like if they found a cuban go into the states like 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 they they would take them in but like would they take you in would you make it Uh, if you don't make it and you come back like what's gonna happen to you like the government's gonna shoot you away so actually when my dad um so what ended up happening was that my dad's stepdad's stepmom was already in the states and then through like chain immigration uh he was able to come in but like before he did that he had to go to the university of Havana where he was studying and he had to or I'm not sure if it's the University of Havana so don't quote me on that but it, his university and he had to sort of publicly resign and say like yeah I'm leaving I'm losing my spot um, I'm not coming back and so you sort of had to make himself like an enemy uh, of the state so uh, in in a way like it, it was a huge risk in that sense um, my, my mom had a slightly different uh, way of coming over she won one of the visa lotteries that like very few people win so oh, wow. yeah very providential but <clears throat> but she so she she won that um so you can leave cuba it's just difficult is that what kind of the situation i mean a lot of people like they, they'll force their way out so like uh people go on rafts uh, yeah but like even leaving through a visa or leaving through denouncing mm-hmm. you know your yeah. citizenship you that's a yeah, possibility, it, huh? Difficult, yeah. It's it, it, it's a big risk, for sure. Yeah. And then also, not not even the risk of leaving this, uh, Cuba, but also coming to the U.S. Like, right. my parents came with no money, mm-hmm. no jobs. They left college. They weren't educated. So they, had, they sort of had to build up uh, from nothing. But they've, they've, they've done a really good job. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and then you have a brother, right? Mm-hmm. I have a brother. Um, I, he, the Lord saved them around the same time that the Lord uh, saved me. He's uh, he's very involved at the church there that I used to go to. So it's um, yeah, I'm I'm really grateful for him now. Now it's a little funny because because um, I'm I I became reformed uh, this past February. Oh, wow. So now I have to, now it's funny talking to him and talking about it to him about like this whole, like, cause, because, um, it's a very, very different culture, uh, at HCC at the church that I'm going to, oh, I, I probably shouldn't have said that now it's on, it's on public record, but, uh, at the church that I'm going to now, like, it's very different culturally than what I grew up in. One example, like one non-religious, non, not one non-theological example, uh, Growing up, I think the average, the average uh, couple had two kids. Uh, at HC, yeah. at HCC, <laughs> at Rockport, <laughs> um, people have a lot more kids. Right. Um, church integrated—that's another thing that's that's different. People, which I like a lot more, that people are are worshiping together as opposed to like different services. The kids are out in, mm-hmm. in like a children's school during the service, so I really appreciate that. Um, I, I think also becoming reformed, I just understood the Bible a lot more just like the arguments that the authors are making um and then also like having to share with my brother like i i was very stubborn becoming like before i was reformed i was very stubborn becoming reformed like i like no like that doesn't make sense whatever whatever and so um so just having those conversations with my brother and my parents um it's a lot of fun but um 
but yeah, I I think uh, like it's it's fun talking to my brother. At, at the same time, there's I don't want to say tension, but that's uh, that's definitely something that we talk about fairly fairly often. You know, for a listener who um, is not familiar with the mm-hmm. label reform, like reformed Christian, mm-hmm. you want to give like a just a summary of just what that means? Yeah. So it it can mean a lot of things depending on who's using the term. I've had this conversation about it a trillion times. Uh, so the very very broad term could could be used as like just Protestant anyone who's a product theologically of the Reformation. Mm-hmm. If you want to go farther down, I've heard different def- de- definitions. So one person told me that they would define it as just like like a like sort of Presbyterian. Someone else uh, the way that we would describe it as at HCC, it would just mean um, confessional. Uh, so adhering to one of the um, the ancient or the historical confessions, so like the Westminster or the eight, or the sixteen eighty nine London Baptist Convention, but a Protestant confession rather than like an ecumenical, like the Apostles' Creed or something like that, right? Uh, it would be. Uh, I, I don't think it, it would include the Apostles' Creed in the sense of like people who would adhere because I, I think the Apostles' Creed is like just basic Christian, right? So then that would expand the definition to just like all Christians. Right. So like a confessional and like a particularly a reformed yeah, confession. Exactly. Okay. And then gen- generally speaking, it also would include like being covenantal and um and uh what was it? Oh, and uh Calvinistic gen- generally speaking, but I I think that was the the term that my pastor used just confessional and based on one of those confessions. And that that was much longer definition but i appreciate you listening to it okay cool um so your parents doing well did they kind of build up a pretty decent life for themselves in the u.s yeah they've done a really good job um there there have been a lot of ups and downs um my my dad uh started i I believe in the warehouse uh and just a warehouse and then eventually he became a pretty high up um, person in like a like your typical uh, logis- logistics company, and then during the recession he got fired. Um, very like low part low point for them, but since then they created a, a logistics business and they've been doing really well. And I'm really grateful for all that they do. And uh, one thing that so this is actually really a little bit in- interesting. So coming to um, St. Louis is. I've only been here for about a year, but I like see a lot more, um, I forgot what the term is, just like pe- people who do work with their hands. So like carpenters. Yeah, blue collar. Blue collar. That's, <laughs> but thank you. That's that's the term. A little more blue collar workers than I've been exposed to. So my dad always told me like, uh, study hard, uh, get a good job, go to a good school. And then like, you don't have to do all of that. But I don't know, looking at... Um, Looking at blue collar workers, I think there's a certain like beauty in like what they do. And even though I'm not talented with my hands as much, I still think that there's a big beauty to it. But but that to sort of say like I think there's a lot of emphasis, at least like within like my group and especially in like my community. Uh, growing up, there was a big, big, big emphasis on studying hard, getting into a good college, um, which now I'm here. And it's like now, now what you know? I'm like, what what do I want to do with my life? So I'm I'm turning twenty next month, and like it's like, what where do I want my life to go? It's a lot of questions to sort of have to raise uh, that I sort of have to consider. Well, if you're wanting to 
be in the computer science field, like you got a lot of options and flexibility. I, I think I get the impression of that. Um, kind of like a nurse, it's a basic type of foundational training, but then there's all kinds of variety about like how you would work in that field, you know, but yeah. Yeah. I, I wouldn't even like just say like vocationally, even though that is a huge aspect of it. Like, how am I going to provide for a family? Sort of. But then it's also the other questions of like, what, what else do I want to do in my life? Do I just want to like have like a job and then a family and that, and then I'll just have like the, the typical like experience with that or, that I want to do something else. So like for 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 example, you, Mister Mister Jackson, it seems like you have a very not uh, so like uh, you like a, like a quite unique like um, way of life. At least right now, like I, from what I've heard, like you were a photographer for a while, mm-hmm. then you moved into now you now you do like like a bunch of different small things that sort of compile into like your day. Yeah. I, th- I think that's really cool. Wait, so can you is 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 that, is that sort of it? Yeah. yeah. I was a photographer after getting out of the Navy. If you know, high school, seven years into the Navy, getting out, I took an assessment test, tried to figure out what I was going to do when I got out, um, got into photography, and um, it was a really good field to be raising a family on. Mm. I could work out of my home. I was just fortunate to be in like wedding and portrait photography when that was a booming industry because there was a lot of changes going on. But, um, you know, like, but things change, like technology and the economy changes industries all the time. And mine mm-hmm. changed. It's harder to make a living that way now. So now I do some different things. But I guess the common thread for me has been kind of being independent, which I appreciate. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's, so. that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, and it's definitely very different than what I sort of grew up like hearing was like the the goal for for me the goal is to go to a good school then to work for Amazon, Google or mm-hmm. Apple and then you know then you're successful and then you're good, right? Mm-hmm. But then I'm also like see like like is it really I mean it, it is like from us in a certain sense it's nice to earn like a, a lot a lot of money but like does it really like bring satisfaction you know what is it that i really sort right. of want that's sort of right yeah i hear people talk about like there's a minimum amount mm-hmm. that um really kind of helps with quality of life but then after that it doesn't really make much difference mm-hmm. in quality of life um but yeah if you're if you feel that financial stress um then that can affect oh, yeah. quality of life, I'm, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But you can manage that not only through making more, but then just changing your lifestyle. Like you could, um, if you have a uh, a couple hundred dollar, I mean, couple um, hundred thousand dollar type a year income, but your um, your lifestyle is like up there just above that i mean that's going to be <laughs> that's going to be really stressful yeah whereas if you had like a 40 or 50 thousand yeah. dollar um a year income but you were under that then you could maybe like not even think about money mm-hmm. you know and it just if you're okay if you can be comfortable on that and so forth but so i think that um you're right i don't think money lends to satisfaction in life except 
that um, as long as your you know your basic needs and stuff like that, and you're not feeling stressed and things yeah. along those lines, you know. Yeah, and that and that sort of goes against a lot of what I grew up listening to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the more money, the more success, the more like there was a, a huge culture in my high school to you know get good grades, um, be a very good student. Um, because if you don't and you're not successful, you're not famous, then, you know, then you're not going to do much with with your life. Yeah. Well, what do you want to do with your life? Well, you were just saying you're trying to figure that out, but like, (laughs) um, what, um, well, what's really satisfying to you now? Like what puts a smile on your face when you're doing it and just feels like this is life giving and nurturing Mm -hmm. and that type of thing? Yeah. I, I really enjoy interacting with people. So like I really enjoy like my church com- my church community and mm-hmm. just getting to hang out with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoy uh, thinking a lot and like smart like just like reading books. I really enjoy stories and books. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, I think I think you were telling me uh, I think this was before we started recording that you like was it nature. Yeah, I, I've been enjoying the fall. I've been kind of coming to appreciate the outdoor world yeah. more this year than ever before. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, so like just enjoying God's creation is really cool. Yeah. Um, one thing that I've always that I, I've been wanting for a while is like to raise a family, like a like a big family. And I, I think there's a lot of cool um, stuff there that I didn't personally grow up with. Um, but those are things that I sort of have to like consider when like wanting to get a job too and like stuff I have to plan out as I'm sort of like thinking about it, you know, like um like if I do wanna like for example a big career that I see a lot of people going into is the pre med track and doctors work <laughs> like sixty to eighty hours a week and it's like yeah. how am I gonna be able to like I'm I'm gonna get paid fantastically but how am i going to you know enjoy time with 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 a family Mm -hmm. if i'm working so so often right and then that's also why i I think that sort of what i've sort of seen like your like flexible like your sort of flexible sort of thing like uh, Mm -hmm. with with like your your income and your job and stuff it seems very appealing because like you have flexibility and you can spend time with your with, with your family um, a lot while you're still sort of working, but <clears throat> I don't know. Um, that's sort of, excuse me, sorry. That's, <clears throat> that's sort of what I have to consider, but, but yeah, I've, um, one, one thing I've thought about doing is starting my own business hmm. because that would give uh, a lot of flexibility. And also I'm pretty good at, um, at leading stuff. Mm-hmm. Like the, okay, the, yeah. the dance, for example. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, I bet leading a dance is pretty fun, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had too much fun. <laughs> there, there was a point, I'm not sure if, if you noticed, but there was a point where we were doing like a Scottish polka. Yeah. I was, I, I was the only one giving directions. And then one moment I was just on the floor laughing. <laughs> I'm not sure if you remember that, but it's not, it's not the most professional thing, but it was, it was fun. It was a good dance. <laughs> it was fun. Um, well, you have any kind of like rules for life, things that just guide you when you're making decisions or anything like 
I don't know, anything maxims or proverbial type of things that you keep in mind? Yeah, sure. So I, I, I am still quite young. And I, I like to say I'm young and foolish, even though people continually assure me that I'm not that foolish, but I still like to say it. And, and so one thing that I really like to do, and it goes back to the asking questions sort of thing, I like to um, spend a lot of time with people who are mature and older than me. I also like to ask people a lot of questions and to take advice. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm usually... I, one of the reasons why I like to talk very little and why a lot of the joke has come that I don't really talk about myself is because I, I know that the more I talk, the more of my foolishness is just going to like enter the conversation. So definitely try to surround myself with people who are smarter than I and ask good questions. Um, and I, I think that's, re that's really helped with my sort of maturity level. And just growing as a person. Uh, another ma um, was it maxim maxim? Maxims. I'm not sure. Yeah. I should know because <laughs> I'm doing computer science, and it's a very big part of it. But uh, another thing, I, I really think that there's a lot of benefit in. Um, well, there's two things that just came to mind, but that's how my mind works. Uh, one one thing I was about to say is that I think there's a lot of benefit in sort of having friends and relationships with people of all different like ages i find a lot in like especially church set uh, often in church settings i'm not sure in other settings but people generally gravitate towards people who are their age mm -hmm. and I, I just think that there's a lot of beauty in just the different stages of life and different types of people right so one thing i really try to do is like especially at, at my church i'm friends with the people who are younger than me with the kids i'm friends with um, with the more, um, what's the nice term? Uh, the the wiser, the wiser bunch. Right. Um, I think you're right. I think it's maxims, maybe. Maxims? I, I'm, I'm not sure. No, not sure. I, I wasn't correcting you. I really don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. But so there's there, there's that, and then also um, trying to there's there's so many interesting people out there, and it it, it really is like. It, it, it is really easy to to go into the more in, interesting stuff just with a few questions. Yeah. Like, I, I find, like, I'd, I'd watch you, there's a lot of very interesting people, even though they're not believers, you know, they're, they're still very interesting, very smart people. Hmm. Um, and, and people like to talk about themselves. It's, it's just, you know, it's, it's just a little awkward, like, talking to the person next to you, like, initially for, like, a second, but... Well, like after the first question, people talk about themselves and a lot of very interesting people. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, here's here's a here's a fun fact. I, I met someone um, the other day who very very unique person. They are vegan, but they're allergic to most types of vegetables. And I'm like, how in the world do you live? <laughs> so, I, so I asked them that question. So, like, what do you eat? And they told me that like they boil most of their vegetables because. It'll apparently like get rid of a lot of the enzymes that they're allergic to, and so I learned something incredibly interesting about someone mm -hmm. who, <laughs> who I, I didn't even know like anything about that. So, yeah. yeah, you know, if you ever want to be a guest, like a guest host on for the podcast, just feel free to ask somebody to be a guest, and then you can you know, borrow the equipment and then I'll process it, put it up as an episode. Like, oh, really? Cool. Yeah, at least done that a couple of times. And I think it's a lot of fun just to share the experience of being a host with someone else. Cool. So you, you, you just find someone, invite them, set a date, pick up the gear, whatever. Cool. I appreciate it. 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, one one more thing that I thought was really in- interesting that I mentioned before and I didn't want to end without saying it. So I, I actually have um, uh, there's my my uncle is a uh, Santero, which would, it's like a, a cult in Cuba, like a very popular cult, and like a lot of the Caribbean that um, it's like a mix between a lot of African religions and like Catholicism. So like when the mm-hmm. Catholics came came into the Cuba and they brought in slaves mm-hmm. that had their own religions and they sort of like uh, merged t- t- together. So that that was one thing that my mom was in, into briefly before she became a Christian. But I just wanted to bring that up because. Um, Think like I, I think it's just a fascinating uh, thing about um, sort of like how sucking like artificially sucking away a religion just sort of like cripples a nation in a sense. I, I had a cousin who visited um, who I spoke to a few years ago, and she was telling me like the the state in in Cuba is really like very bad, uh, especially in the sense of like religion. Like now people are degressing back into like. Um, well, she used the term degressing. I would just say like it's a different type of religion as opposed to modernism, uh, because of course society today is uh, at least in the like Western nations are becoming very mo- uh, modern. I- actually, Cuba has gone the opposite direction, is and they've become very like I'm not sure what the term is like superstitional. That's definitely not the term, but a, a lot more people like pra- practicing magic and going in, in like putting a lot of emphasis on like uh like w- uh like witch magic and doctors and all that or witch doctors and all that stuff so right. just interesting to see just the crippling effect of right sort of sucking away religion right from a country yeah the west um modern but like the more descriptive word might be like secular in the sense of just living without god mm-hmm. but in that yeah, people can drift toward some kind of substitute, you know, for yeah. for mm-hmm. um, a sound faith, such as superstitions of different kind. And there may be power in it, spiritual power. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think of like uh, voodoo and um, mm-hmm. different stuff like that, that is, seems, reminds me of what you're referring to, like a mixture of Catholicism and... Um, Mm-hmm. tribal religions or whatever yeah. yeah yeah it's it's really common nowadays in like uh in, in the caribbean mm-hmm. so i had a professor who uh i had in high school my my theology teacher he um he was a teacher for like a few decades in saint lucia which is also a caribbean island and he spoke to me about like like the 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 mentality is just very different at least in that sense of just religion so for example, he uh, he like spoke to the kids. So like a lot of the kids in the U.S., they'll be like like they'll ask questions about like ev- ev- evolution and about like how many years uh, like the Big Bang. They'll ask those type of questions on like the evidential, um, uh, like modernistic sec- secular like uh, the like the universe sort of made itself in the Big Bang, and they'll ask those questions as opposed to like the students that he had in Saint Lucia, and they already come in with the presupposition of well, I mean of course God created everything you know like of course it happened you know and it's just interesting to see how um different places um sort of have different presuppositions different places believe different things you know yeah so in felucia saint lucia sorry sorry. saint lucia (laughs) they're um so they're pretty spiritual 
um, like they believe in the spiritual realm. Like it's just taken, it's just a given. Like I, I hear that about Africa too. Like it's not secular in the sense that the world's just material. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, for example, a different story from St. Lucia is that, you know, people like there was, I believe, a, a frog with it was like a like some some sort of like witch like paper tied around his foot. And people like and that was put there so that <clears throat> it was during like a trial. So they put that there to like sort of curse someone in the trial. And like if you do that here in the U.S., people are going to laugh at it and be like, this is ridiculous. But if yeah. you go to St. Lucia, people actually start freaking out about it, you know, and it's just because, you know, they just think differently. Like they, they just see everything in a more spiritual sense right. than we do here. And like, how would like a secular non-religious person explain that? Like would that there, are they isolated from the modern world and like information and media and stuff? Or is there a different reason for the for it? Like, could that be an explanation, or is it like there's some kind of a spiritual thing going on, and they're just aware of it? The way that I would so I I'm I do not espouse the modern the materialistic modernistic yeah. point point of view, but from what I've seen, um, I would I would take an like an estimated sort of. Um, estimated guess as to say that they would a lot of them would likely assume that they're just not advanced enough as a, as a civilization um or that they just haven't like learned the truth enough to where like they are at the stage that we are at so is that your how you would see it then is that what you're saying that is how that's sort of the impression of the perspective that modernistic people right. would take on would it. take. I could be wrong. I don't want to like be dogmatic right. about it. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, does that explanation work? You think like, is that the, the case you think or no? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, so I love history. I, I love just tracking how different people think about different things in different parts of history I think a lot of the modernistic or uh, there's there, there's different points in history where different things have or different ideas sort of move around and shift. So like a big part of like what our society is today, like a lot of the postmodernism, for example, came from the Enlightenment of the French era, right? Right. So I I think just different people develop with different ideas. Um, I just think it's really cool how like ideas sort of advance and move around, but definitely. Um, the modernistic point of view, I think, is just, just a, well, sort of one one view. I sort of think of like the, I believe it's in Ecclesiastes, like there's nothing new under the sun, mm-hmm. and so like the stuff that we see now with modernism, like it it is not new, it is not new whatsoever. Um, it, it it looks different and it like sort of smells a little different, but a lot of those ideas have been espoused countless times in past history. So I think it's just in different places different things come up, right? And it'll look slightly different than what it did in past in history, but um, it, it's just sort of like the point, the, the place where we are in Western society. And it could go different places. So I think a lot of Western society for, uh, until very recently, was very modernistic. Now we're postmodernistic, modernistic um, And of course, that's a vast like generalization. But 
Um, I think it, it is really in, interesting on how different things, on how different ideas go around and sort of people take it as fact. I was actually talking to someone, I was leaving one of my classes um, last semester. I was taking like an English class. I had, I had a buddy who I just spoke to. A lot of the, the class, he was extraordinarily uh, modernistic and I had like talks with him about like uh, the, rel- the reliability of the gospel, which like I just shared a little bit earlier, I, I don't believe is a very, <laughs> so a very good way to convert someone, which I think is a viewpoint that I came to actually when I became re- reformed, because it's like, you know, like re- reformed people have a very big emphasis on the gospel, et cetera, et cetera. But um, that's a tangent. So talking to him, like I had to bring up to his, I had to bring up to his attention, like, well, uh, I hope that you keep in mind that you are speaking from a very, from, with like a lot of presuppositions that are based off of your worldview, which is modernism. So, like, I, I like, because when discussing like viewpoints, um, one's worldview is sort of going to color and like what, what they say, what they believe. And so I think it is pretty important to understand one's own presuppositions and worldview before they start making assumptions. So then he would be like, well, um, like he spoke a lot about like ev- evolution and like the time periods, and then he spoke about well, like those, those other perspectives are like r- ridiculous, and like how can you believe that? And, and then I, I would have to like, and then I, I told him like, oh well, you also have to take into consideration like not everyone believes or thinks the same way that you believe. So I forgot how we got here. So uh, <laughs> um, about how you know things seem new, mm-hmm. but really things have come up again and again and things mm-hmm. just change but no, nothing new under the sun yeah thank you yeah i appreciate it yeah so that's 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 more or less that i i think people a lot of the time i uh, i don't like making generalizations but a lot of the time people forget that they they forget to sort of see like the stream of history um and the stream of all the different like beliefs that have popped up over time and then they and then it's very easy for one to be like oh well what we believe is obviously true, but then when they when one takes a like wider view of history, they sort of see, well, wait a second, like this idea was here and it sort of moved over here and it sort of changed under this guise, but sort of isn't really like it, it just sort of changes a lot. So I, I think it's crucial to understand the wider scope of history and to sort of see how things sort of change. Right. To protect us from chronological snobbery. Yes, I, yes. yes. Amazing. Incredible. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that we should wrap up for now. Um, anything that we should mention or uh, bring up here before wrapping up or, or anything just on your mind, a topic or anything before we call it an end? Um, I, I could talk a lot more, but... Um I know you have stuff to do, so I appreciate uh, the time that uh, you have given. I think this podcast is a very incredible, incredible thing. So, well, thanks. I've enjoyed the conversation with you. Um, maybe just um, so. Um, so anyway, one thing I was going to ask at some point along the line here is, um, I guess, has there been any, what has uh, made a big splash in your life as far as books? You, you mentioned you like to study. Any particular books that have mm-hmm. really made a big splash? 
So before coming to <clears throat> before coming to St. Louis, I was one of the more well-read people okay. because people didn't really read books where I was from. Okay. Um, coming into like uh, coming in, in, into Washi, or not even at Washi, because people at Washi don't really read read for fun a lot of the the time. Okay. I think it's more like in within like the homeschool reform circles that people are very well-read. I, I am now no no longer one of the more well-read people. Okay. But. Um, that, that was just a, a, a side point. In terms of very specific books, I've been like in different um, different sort of seasons of reading books. So one that I was mentioning earlier, uh, in my twelfth grade year, I looked at a lot of like apologetics, mm-hmm. a lot of different re- religions, started getting different sides. When I was in twelfth grade, it was also like the the political season, um, the twenty twenty election. So I also tried to read different perspectives mm-hmm. on. Different books. So, I, for example, I read *The Conscious of a Liberal* and *The Conscious of a Conservative*. Two different books that mm-hmm. two, that espouse two different points of view, and that was that was interesting. Um, I, I also went to a. This is a, another side point, but I also went to a. It was a religious Marxism online like um, convention, so I got to listen to different speakers talk about uh, why the Bible espouses um, uh, com- communist points of views so that was that was okay. that was a wow. lot of fun <laughs> um so sorry that's a different ta- tangent and then um I, I think more recently becoming becoming reformed my taste for books has also changed a little bit so i've sort of changed and shifted from uh, apologetics more into like specific doctrine mm-hmm. um and then i've also enjoyed some good some good fiction um but in terms of like spe- specifically i've read a lot of like covenantal theology um uh, I've, in terms of fi- fiction, I've also enjoyed some like some C.S. Lewis that I've never read before. Hmm. Um, I've enjoyed um, the Lord of the Rings series, so I, I think there's also a lot of benefit in reading, in reading yeah. fiction. And, and in terms of what I read, uh, my twelfth grade year, a few of the books I read, the God, De- the God Delusion. Mm-hmm. Um, I read a book about. Um, oh, it was like one of one of the most like one one of the biggest atheists that one could couldn't find, and then like he shocked the world when he became a a deist. Yeah, so, I kind of know who you're talking. And is Anthony Flew? It may have been Anthony. Okay, Flew. this sounds familiar. Okay, and then I also read a few like Christian apologetics books. So I for a, a time it was really big. I was really big into sort of getting all the perspectives, especially because mm-hmm. I was sort of struggling with my faith in the sense of in, in the evidential sense because I was friends with a lot of. I was pretty close friends with this guy who was uh, very uh, secular, uh, big into like evolution stuff like that. So I was very close friends with with him. So I sort of had to, sort of had to like engage him in that sense, which is very hard for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But it forced me to to read different perspectives on different things, which was it, it was fun, and I think it sort of shaped who I am now a little bit, but. Yeah, but I think I actually before I before recently I actually didn't really really read much until I'd say until a little bit after I became a Christian. There was a huge change uh, there, but I think that it's really cool to read different perspectives. It's also really cool to read historical historical things. Oh, one one thing that really fascinates me is um, ideology and how ideology sort of um, impacts a person in the sense of how am I going to phrase this in, in, in the sense of how well I'll, I'll just share it so I'm 
a few, a few, a few, a few of the books that I really in, enjoyed were like it, 1984, Animal Farm, a lot of George Orwell. Yeah. Those were a lot of fun. Uh, just because it's interesting to see how like government and I- ideology sort of um, affects a person and the community and their thoughts and how they behave. Also because my parents grew up in a communist country. So like my, uh, like you, you weren't allowed to say whatever you wanted to say. My, my grandpa has gone to jail for speaking his thoughts about the government. Wow. So um, there's a lot of really cool stuff out there, but I don't want to take too much of Every time, and it's also been a little bit since I've read a lot of those books, so but yeah. a lot of cool stuff. Okay, well, thanks. Maybe we'll pick it up another time. <laughs> but it was good talking with you, Chris. Yeah, thanks for being a guest. Yeah, th- th- thank you for asking great questions. I usually don't talk about myself this much, so I appreciate the opportunity. <laughs>